0: Before I get to our text, last thing I'm going to say is this. I encourage you to stay tuned. I encourage you to ask the Lord to help you receive His Word in your heart. And know this this morning, God wants to encourage you. God wants to lift you up. God wants you to understand His way, which is higher than our ways. If His ways are higher than our ways, we need Him to help us understand and receive them by faith. So let's start this morning. With the blood. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. This morning we begin in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, which says this And by him, to him being Jesus, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Not through the cross in and of itself, but through the blood of the cross. We will see next week the cross really deals with the death of the old man. But the shedding of blood deals with what I want to talk about this morning, and that is our sins. Our sins. Those are the things that we do. And notice our text says we have peace. Here's what it tells us on the backside of that, that outside of the blood, there is no peace. It tells us that we are an enemy against God, that there is something between us and between God that does not allow us to have peace with God. That no matter what we do, no matter what we try to change, no matter how hard we do something and try to be good or go to church or this or that, or no matter whether we're brought up in this part of the world or that part of the world or with this family or that family, there is something that causes us to be a distance from God, that we are not at peace with God. And this morning we see that the blood is the actual avenue through which we have peace with God. It's not through our work. It's not through things that we do. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us into a place of, of peace with God. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. It says this, Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Now, we have this idea of being justified. It is another way of saying the same thing about having peace with God. But in order to be justified, a good judge must make a just repayment, a just recompense for what was done. We are justified. You need to understand that. And this is, I have so many thoughts this morning to share. And so I'm kind of like just scattered. I hope by the time I'm done, it all comes back together and makes sense but we are justified in the sight of God because of the payment of the blood. It's not that God is foolish and is unaware of all of our sins. It's not that God is not able to see what we have done in the past, or what we do now, or what we do in the future. It's that God sees the blood. And when God looks at what I have done... I'm not dealing this morning with what I am. I'm dealing with what I have done. My sins. The things I have done that are clearly a sin against God. When God looks at those things, He can say righteously and justly, yes, I recognize that wrong was done, but I have a payment that is paid for that. And the payment that is paid for that is sufficient for whatever wrong was done. And so as God... As the one supreme creator, judge of the world, judge of heaven and earth, He's the one with the final say who can say, I justly and righteously, because of the payment of the blood and your willingness to have Faith in my Son, I take every sin, not all in a great big term of all, but every single individual sin, small, medium, great, large, any size, every single sin, and I can say because of the blood, righteous, forgiven, redeemed, justified. And so you need to understand, as a child of God, one of the most important foundational truths of the Christian faith is that I can approach God because of the blood. I can have full confidence to come before God because of the blood. Hebrews 9.22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, no remission of sins. There had to be the shedding of blood. And this morning what I want to, I just, I want to show you simply put, there are three areas that the blood sets us free in. There are three areas that the blood gives us peace with. And I'm going to deal with them in order of most importance. First, the blood of Jesus gives us peace with God. That's most important. But after that, it gives us peace with ourselves, which this morning, I think, is probably going to be the most significant application to us, because a lot of us get to a place where we can say, oh, I know that God's forgiven me, but for some reason, we can't forgive ourselves. For some reason, we're unable to let the same blood that God looks at and says clean. We're unable to do that with ourselves. But we're going to see how the blood of Jesus is meant to give us peace with God. It's meant to give us peace with ourselves. And then it's meant to shut the mouth of the accuser. So the blood of Jesus deals really primarily in three major ways. It deals with God, it deals with man, and it deals with Satan. This morning we're going to look at first how the blood deals with the Lord. Sin, if you don't know what sin is, it is simply disobedience to God. That is the simplest way to define the term sin. It is disobedience to God. And sin, no matter how small, how great, all in between, sin, because God is a holy and perfect God, and if we understand that we do not judge ourselves based upon the world, based upon our families, based upon our friends, in other words, I don't decide what righteous is by taking a look at my three most righteous friends, and then I don't decide what evil is, by looking at the three most evil people I know, God is the standard. And when I look at God, it does not matter how small of a sin it may be, it is a sin against God. And it's sin, which is disobedience to God, it creates a separation from man and God. And it hinders us. It is God who says they are all under sin. Romans 3 9. And one of the things that happens is when when a human being comes to the the, the recognition of, of that they're a sinner and that they've committed sins and that God's holy, all of a sudden something happens. Their conscience is awakened. Alright? Now before I was saved, I, I mean I had some type of idea of right and wrong. It was based upon what I thought was right and wrong. But certainly I had some things I thought were right and some things I thought were wrong. But when I truly was awakened to God, my conscience became aware of sins. And I was overwhelmed. And one of the things that can happen a lot for the child of God is there's an awakening in your conscience and your, your conscience all of a sudden of sins. Things like I was talking about you know my, my example in my intro about having that thought about that man I was working with. And all of a sudden, my conscience convicted me because I am awakened to the reality that sins are bad. In the Scriptures, the blood of Christ is shown to operate in reconciling us to God. Primarily, First and foremost, the blood is for the atonement of sins in accordance with our standing with God. We need forgiveness of the sins we have committed. We need forgiveness of what we have done. Not what I am, not dealing with what I am yet, we'll deal with what I am next week, but what I've done the wrong things that I have done, the things that I've sinned, the lies that I've told, the times I've been selfish, the people I've hurt, it, you name it, anything and everything, we need forgiveness for those things we've done. Now here's a statement I'm going to make this morning as I begin to move from how the blood operates towards God and how the blood operates in our own lives. Here's a statement. We must determine the value of the blood based upon God's value of the blood. Okay? It, our problem is that we kind of think God has a certain value of it, but we look at it a different way. But listen, we must have the same value of the blood that God Himself has of the blood. And what I mean by that is this, if the blood satisfies God, it has to satisfy me. If God says the blood is enough, then I have to say the blood is enough. I can't say, well, God says the blood's enough. But for me, it's got to be the blood plus I'm going to have to really be good for the next two weeks. And plus I'm going to have to change this and change that and change that. And then I can approach God. And then I can go to God. After I do these things plus the blood. No, 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 no. The grounds on which we have peace with God. The grounds on which I come to God is by and through the blood only. I have to accept God's value of the blood. I want you to see the example of this in the Old Testament. There are two, two places. One is in Exodus. The other is in Leviticus chapter 16. For sake of time, I'll just reference the passages. You can read them yourself. But if you do remember in Exodus, the story of the Passover, God had them take a lamb, sacrifice a lamb, and take the blood of the lamb, and they were to take the blood and put it on the doorpost of the house. All the way around the doorposts. And then the Bible tells us they were to take the meat of the lamb, and they were to come inside the house, and to eat the lamb inside the house. Now, I want to ask you the question. Obviously, this is a clear picture of the sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ, but from inside the house, could the people in the house even see the blood? And the answer to the question is no. And God said, "When I see the blood, I will pass over." So we see that the blood is not so much even for us to see; it's for God. And then, if you remember in Leviticus chapter 16, you have the the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of the Atonement is by far the most significant day in all the days of Israel, that have a direct application on the atonement of sins. And on the day of atonement, the high priest would take the offering. First, he would take an offering of the bull, and he would, the, the bull's blood would be shed, and he would go through a process of cleansing. But the high priest would go into the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, And he would take blood and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. He would sprinkle it seven times, making atonement for himself. And then he would go back out and there would be a sacrifice of a lamb or a goat. And that blood would be brought in the same way and sprinkled seven times upon the altar as a remission of sins for the people. It does show us that you must first deal with yourself before you can help anyone else. It does show us that before we can come to God on behalf of others, we first need to learn how to come to God on behalf of ourselves. But the point I want us to see this morning is this. I thought about having a picture up because it might be easier, but I couldn't find a picture that worked, and so I'm just going to tell you how it was. There was a tabernacle, it was a moving tabernacle, and there was a fence that went all the way around this tabernacle, And inside the fence was a uh, the area that the sacrifices took place. And then there was a room that was totally cut off from light, outside light. The average person could not go into the room. If it was a building about this size, just for trying to give us something to understand... The back portion of that sanctuary, the overflow area, would be the most holy place. And then this size of it would be the holy place. And inside the holy place, there was a lot of activity that went on with the priests. There was a lot of, it's where the showbread was kept. It's where the the, the basin that they cleansed in was kept. It's where uh, candles continually burnt. And there was a lot of activity that went on inside of there, but only the priest could go in there. But in the most holy place, one time a year, the high priest went in on the day of atonement to sprinkle blood on the altar. Now, inside that place, no eyes can look in. Only one man's allowed to come in. There are no People that are able to to come into that place. There is no outside light. It is dark. And yet that is where He brings the blood. There's only one thing, just one, just one, inside the most holy place. And that's the Ark of the Covenant. It is where, at that time, the power of God, the manifest presence of God on earth was kept. And where was the blood brought? There. Who saw the blood? God. You see, the blood, it it works on our behalf. But it's not really for us. In other words, we're not the ones that demanded it. We're not the ones that thought, you know what, there needs to be shedding of blood. And we have something that must be satisfied. No, the blood is meant to satisfy God. The blood is brought before God. And what did Jesus do? He took the blood, and His blood, and presented it to God. And it satisfied, the Bible says, the wrath of God. That being the justice, righteous judgment of God against our sins was satisfied because of the blood. So the blood is primarily for God. Not primarily for us as an effect on us, but primarily it's for God. And here's why you have to understand this this morning. You have to understand this. If the blood satisfies God, it has to satisfy you. God has made a way for you to come before Him boldly before His throne of grace based upon the finished work of Christ and specifically when we talk about approaching God when we talk about coming into the most holy place, when I talk about my standing before God, specifically the blood of Jesus is what is sufficient to make God be able to righteously and justly say, you are fine in my sight. You are cleansed. It's God's holiness. It's God's righteousness which demands that a sinless life should be given for the sins of man. And God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Christ this morning? Aren't you thankful that that's what God looks at? You know, we deceive ourselves into thinking that, well, God is, you know, really what God looks at is how well I perform. How how well I do. How well I think. And listen, this morning when I tell you, those things have an application later down the road. There is a response that is to be had that God expects of His children. But concerning our approach to God, concerning my standing in the sight of God, the blood of Jesus is sufficient, was sufficient, and will always be sufficient. God does not need anything else in order for me to approach Him boldly and properly every time. He does not need anything else except the blood, and it is the blood that He looks at this morning. That should give you a spirit of encouragement. It should give you a, it give you a spirit of, an, an attitude of, you know what? I don't have to hide from God. I don't have to hide from Him. God sees the blood and I am righteous in His sight because the blood of Jesus is all-powerful. It's here that Christians get in difficulty and it's here that I had a very difficult time with for many years, that I discussed in my intro. We become so aware of sin and our sins that we begin to see what we've done as so terrible, so horrible. And then we, even though God does not, we begin to diminish the power of the blood in our own lives concerning our relationship with God. Before our consciences were awakened to sin, it wasn't that big of a deal, but now I love God, and I'm very sensitive to sin, and I'm very sensitive to sins, and when I find myself committing sins, it just turns my world upside down. But it is here as the believer that we must learn the operation of the blood. It cleanses every sin. We have an advocate in Jesus Christ who is on our behalf standing for us and his blood is sufficient to cover everything I've ever done wrong, everything I ever will do wrong. And don't matter if I've had a good day, a bad day, don't matter how great I feel, how bad I feel, I can boldly come to God and I can kneel before my Father and I can kneel at the foot of the, uh, of the throne of grace and I can know that God sees me as cleansed and forgiven because the blood satisfies Him. And so the blood is first for God, but then it cleanses us. It cleanses our conscience. Hebrews 10.22 speaks about this cleansing of our conscience. When the Bible says this, let us draw near. Who do we draw near to? God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Notice our hearts are sprinkled from a guilty conscience. That's what our hearts are sprinkled from, cleansed from, done away with. This morning, if you're caught up in sin, repent. You need to repent. Turn from it. But don't be living your life in guilt and shame. Realize the blood is sufficient. Realize the blood of Christ is bigger than all your sins. This is where we so often as Christians go wrong. We put such a high value over here on our sins and the things that we've done wrong, And we have such a small value on the power and the finished work of the blood of Christ. And when I understand, and this is why I talk about renewing our mind. Remember I said it's not enough just to know that God has justified me. I need to understand how. And there's some things that I have to remember. Hold on a second, Joplin. Whose opinion really matters? God's opinion. That's who. He's the God of heaven and earth. He's the perfect, just one. He's the one who is just and never thinks anything wrong. He's going to judge fairly. He's going to judge justly. He's the one that matters. And if he says it's fine, how come you don't? Do you have a higher moral opinion than God? Do you have a higher moral value for what is right than God himself? Of course you don't. And I have to take my thoughts captive and say, Joplin, if God is satisfied, you must be satisfied. Too often we try to like, hold ourselves accountable for things even God's not willing to because God laid it on the scapegoat and let him go. Because God said the payment's been made. And we try to earn ourselves back into favor with God. And it is a miserable place to be as a Christian. You have to understand the operating of the blood. The blood has satisfied God, it must also satisfy us. Our hearts are sprinkled from an, uh, an evil conscience. You see, I have to understand that, that no longer can my conscience tell me I'm distanced from God. No longer can my conscience tell me God doesn't love me. God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. The blood cleanses me. And when I understand the operating of the blood, all of a sudden I can come before God and realize I can come boldly before His throne at all times and in all places. God has removed the barrier between me and Him. And all of us know this. We know how important it is to have a clean conscience. It's hard to worship God with a guilty conscience. It's hard to come before God and, and, and want to worship or pray if your conscience is causing you to feel distance from God. But here's what I want you to see. Our conscience can be wrong, folks. I'm not, re- I, I'm not suggesting that the Holy Spirit does not convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit does convict us of sin, but understand something. The Holy Spirit understands the working of the blood too. Yes. Amen. And while the Holy Spirit may convict us of sin, it's not the Holy Spirit driving you away from God. The Holy Spirit never driven anyone away from God. The Holy Spirit tries to drive us to God. The Holy Spirit tries to bring us into right, continual, standing relationship with God. It's not the Holy Spirit driving you away from God. It's self-condemnation when all of a sudden we fall into sin. And my conscience, I have to learn to be able to say, man, I can come to God no matter what because of the blood. I'm telling you, it set me free when I got a hold of not only what I'm sharing this morning, but especially what I'll begin to get into next week. It, It was so freeing to me. Not only is my conscience clean before God, but I understand now I come to God on the grounds of the blood, only. And, listen, always. Always. Another problem that we have as believers is not only do we put too much of a great emphasis on what we've done and too little emphasis on the power of the blood, we can also tend to put too much emphasis on the good things we do. So like now, because I've had a pretty good week, and, you know, I made it to church a couple of times. Did a couple of devotions. You know, didn't yell at the lady that cut me off. Doing pretty good this week. So now I really feel like I, it's time to pray because I've got a direct line with God. No. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. You only approach God on the grounds of the blood. Don't matter how great you're living. Don't matter how perfect you are. Or not doesn't matter if you've had a good day or a bad day. doesn't matter if you're feeling loving and you've been kind and compassionate, or if you've just blown it and you've been rude with your family and rude with your people at work. It doesn't matter. We approach God always and only on the grounds of the blood. You know the uh, passage that says that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you go on and continue to read that passage, it makes this statement. It says that when, uh, when, when a person works and receives something for his labor, it's treated as work and not as a gift. And we see something in that statement that if I think somehow God has to let me approach him in a more significant way, based upon the fact I did a good thing here, good thing here, and good thing there today, I've actually come into a place where I think that God himself owes me something. That somehow my goodness puts God in debt to me. God does not owe us anything. I'm not saying this morning that we shouldn't live good lives. I'm not saying this morning that there's no value whatsoever in serving God. Of course, I'm not saying that what did the Apostle Paul say when they say, well, should we go on and sin that grace may abound? God forbid a thousand times. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am trying to do is lay the biblical groundwork for understanding how we come into the presence of God. And how foolish it is when the children of God feel like they can't come to God because they don't understand how they're justified has nothing to do with my works. It is all about the blood that was shed for me. Primarily it's for God, but then it cleanses my conscience. One of the things that I want to say this morning as well. (sighs) There's a reason I haven't ever taught this on a Sunday morning. And that is because um, it takes time to explain. And I just have never been led to do so until now. But what I'm telling you is progressive. And when you start with the foundation and understand how I come to God, you have to understand that never changes. It never changes. doesn't matter if you've been saved 20 years, two days, or 40 years. It doesn't matter. The only way you approach God, the way you always approach God, is only and always through the finished fact that the blood is what God sees. Now, here's what happens for many of us. So, we begin to mature in our faith, right? And I'll use Brother Matt Irick as an example because he's right here. And God begins to deal with Matt Irick about something in his life that God had not really dealt with him about before. And God says, Brother Matt, son, I love you and you've been a great child and I'm proud of what you're doing. But it's time for you to change some things in your life. And God begins to give revelation to Matt about some things in Matt's life that God wants to work on. Well, what happens, this happens with all of us if we're maturing in our faith. What can happen is, is that now that God has awakened Matt's conscience even more to something that God is working on, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves, you know, we're new at this. I'm, this is something new that God has shown me, and now I'm trying to work on this thing, and I'm trying to work on that thing. And you'll find that when you fail, you'll find that when you fall on your face, guess what happens? Condemnation. And then you start to feel like, well, now I can't approach God. You have to stop it. You have to understand if you're going to progress in the things of God, if you're going to grow as a Christian, you're going to have to learn how to approach God. And thank God it's not based upon our performance. You know, listen, we would all like to think that if we could like, get an A-plus for a couple of days, that somehow that would grant us a little extra favor with God. But man, that's just pride, folks. It's just pride. And thank God it doesn't work that way because you ain't going to get an A-plus very often two straight days in a row. We need the blood. God knew what we needed. He provided in full so that no matter what I as His child face, no matter whether I have a good day or a bad day, I can come on the grounds of the blood. And so not only does it... Give me peace with God. The next thing it does, if you understand it right, it begins to give me peace with myself. I don't have to beat myself up. It's kind of humbling to accept God's way. Like I said, we'd all like to think we could just get her done and have an A plus every day. It doesn't happen. It doesn't. It's just not real. It doesn't work that way. We need grace. We need the blood of God. We need the blood of Christ. And when I begin to understand that, though, that look, hold on a second. If he's the judge and he's the one, that's what Romans chapter 8 says. That basically says, God, he's the one that justifies us. And if he's the judge, then who can lay charge against God's elect? I mean, what are you going to say? He's the judge. How are you going to question his judgment? He's the ultimate say-so. There is no higher level. There is no other Supreme Court of which you could appeal to. He has said that He's on my side and that I'm cleansed in His sight. It don't matter what anyone else says. I've all of a sudden got to let that peace just grab my heart and say, hmm, thank God for Jesus. I'm going to make a statement now that I'll probably make a few times over the next couple of weeks. The path of progress in the Christian life is to learn to quit looking to yourself and look to Jesus. Yes. Amen. That's the path of progress. You'll never get anywhere just looking inward. You'll never get there. You've got to learn. And this is, this is the way that God primarily does in us what He wants to do in us and causes us to grow and mature as Christians. It's by teaching us more and more to become less and let Him become more. More and more to look away from self and to look up. To Christ, God has one answer for all of man's problems, and that answer is found in His Son. God just shows us more of His Son. God says, look, I've dealt with what you've done through the blood. Next week we're going to see that not only have I dealt with what you've done, I've dealt with what you are. Because there's a reason that you did what you did. I haven't dealt with that yet just through the blood. That's dealt with through the cross, and we're going to see that in Romans chapter 6 next week. But the point is this that God has dealt with everything through Jesus. That when Jesus said it was finished, he meant what he said it was finished. And now we have a clean conscience. Whether you have a bad day or a good day, whether you've consciously sinned or not, your basis of approach is always the same the blood of Christ. The fact that God accepts it are the grounds in which I enter in to my relationship with God. They are the grounds upon which I enter in to that most holy place. See where I'm at here. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. Last thing and then I'll move on to how this deals with the devil as well. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near By the blood of Christ. So there we see that separation from God. We are initially, here's what I want you to see. We are initially brought near through the blood of Christ. Initially. But now look at Hebrews chapter 10. And back to where we started in verse 22, let us draw near. You see, you're initially brought near because of the blood, and then you continue to draw near because of the blood. The same way that we started is the same way we get there today. The same way that you came to God on that on your salvation day is the same way you come to Him today. The rules don't change. It's not that we can come to God on the grounds of the blood and get saved, but then after that, there's a bunch of other things we must do to be able to approach God. The way in which God's children, this morning if you are saved, the way in which you can approach God is based on nothing except the fact that when God sees the blood... You can come in. Whew. Thank God for that. Thank God for grace. Thank God that it's okay. Even if I have a bad week, I'm still going to be able to approach God on Friday. Thank God that even if I've been doing wonderful and doing great, that's not the grounds on which I approach God. The grounds upon which I approach God are solid, unchangeable. They are, they are perfect they, and it will always work because the blood never loses its power. Now, not only does the blood primarily help us in right standing with God, it secondly gives us a clean conscience concerning our standing with God. Thirdly, it helps us overcome the accuser. See, what the accuser wants to do is stir up that conscience. And I just want to say something this morning, and I'll get to the accuser. The reason this is, this is so important to me, because too many of God's people live with condemnation they shouldn't live with. Too many people feel like, you know what, I've blown it so bad, so bad that it's going to take so long to get back in right standing with God. You don't understand the blood. You don't understand the operation of the blood. What you just said is an impossible statement based upon the Word of God it's impossible that's not true it's not that's not how it works and this morning if you have if you felt like you know what i just i can never be in how could god love me he does love you he's proven it if you've ever felt like how could i approach god how could i ever ask god for anything the answer is you can ask him boldly before the throne of grace that's how based upon what grounds not based upon how Poor you've performed. Not based upon how much you're, you, you've been messed up, but based upon the fact that the blood is sufficient. Based upon the fact that Jesus is enough. You know, one of the things that happens when we begin to see this and truly see it, I promise you this, it'll set you free. But it'll just make you want to all that much more to love God and to serve God. When you understand the precious payment of the blood, When you begin to value the blood the way that God values the blood, when you begin to see how it works and how it operates, the last thing it'll make you want to do is abuse it. It won't. It'll just, inside, it's like, God, now how can I, now that I don't have to serve you in order to get something, now that I don't have to serve you just so that I can come and pray, I'm going to serve you because I love you so much for what you did so that I can come before you, boldly before your throne of grace, every day of my life, no matter whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. Nobody's ever did anything like that for me. Nobody's ever given their only son. Nobody's ever shed their blood to pay for all of my sins except the one and only Son of God. And I love Him for what He's done, and I'm going to love Him with my life. Now, in view of all this, let's turn to the enemy for a minute. In Revelations chapter 12, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. You see, Satan is an accuser. It's what he likes to do. We see him doing it in Job, possibly the oldest book of the Bible. And then we see him as well in the last book of the Bible, accusing... The church. In verse 10, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God. See, Satan understands something. Ultimately, the first place he needs to accuse is God. Why? Because God's the judge. But His problem is now that the blood's been paid. He has no thing to say anymore. I mean, who can bring charge against God's elect? The blood has been paid. I don't have time to get into it this morning, but it is fascinating to me that he played a role in the very thing that set us free. Thinking he was destroying the Christ. Thinking he was destroying God's plan. And I can just hear God say to him, well, remember how you stirred up those folks to uh, crucify my son? That blood that was shed on that day actually is the payment for the sins of everybody who will place their faith in Him. God says, I won, and you lost. But He is the accuser. And you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to make you feel like you'll never be good enough. He wants, And, and, and one, he's an isolationist too, by the way. What he wants to do is isolate you over here so that you don't really tell nobody about what you're struggling with. That way you can stay deceived into thinking you're the only person that's ever struggled with that stuff. Don't tell nobody because then they'll find out who you really are and then they'll know that you're not like them. But when you come together, you find out, oh, wait a second, we're all the same. We're all men, women here. We all have struggles. We all have weaknesses. Every one of us have fallen on our face. Every one of us still have failures. Every one of us still have room to grow. We're all in this thing together. And every one of us can come boldly before the throne of grace, not based upon how much better we've you know, acted or kept this or that than anyone else. All of us come together on the same grounds and the same authority that the blood has been shed, and God sees that instead of my sins. And so you know what happens when the accuser wants to come, and the accuser wants to just really, what, that's what he wants to do. He wants, the devil wants to make you feel terrible. He wants to make you ashamed. He, wants to, he, wants you to, he just wants to heap guilt upon you. Guilt's the best word I can use this morning. Because guilt implies that something's actually been done. And you know what? I've actually done some stuff. I am guilty now the question is, well, how do I handle that? How do I stare the enemy in the face and handle that? Because he's right. I did blow up. I did say some things I shouldn't say. I was totally selfish. I was dishonest there. I did do something hurtful. Guilty is charged. Wait a second. Wait a second. The blood. The blood wasn't just sufficient to cover everything I did before I came to God. The blood's sufficient for everything I've done since then and everything I'll ever will do. And, and, and though you might say guilty is charged, and I'm admit, yes, guilty is charged, but understand something, devil: there has been a payment that has been paid for that. I don't have to pay for that anymore. I don't have to pay for it by spending a week in guilt and shame I don't have to pay for it by moping around for the next few weeks feeling like a failure. I've got to get my head up high and praise the God of heaven and earth who has made a way that no matter what I go through, no matter what I face in life, I can come before my God now, once, and finally, and forever because of the blood of Jesus. And you know what? All of a sudden your accusations don't mean much. Now that I remember how it works... Why don't you tell me everything else I'm forgiven of? Let's talk about that. And let's talk about how much more powerful the blood of Christ is than everything that I could ever do wrong. let's Let's talk about how great my God is and how great my Savior is. I want to close with one passage this morning. Actually, two. First Peter one, seventeen and nineteen. First Peter chapter 1, 17 through 19. And if you call on the Father who, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. God says the blood of Christ is precious. What a powerful word, precious. Do you have anything in your life that's precious to you? anything that's so valuable to you, you'd use that word precious to define it. The Bible tells us God sees the blood of Christ as precious. And this morning I want to say again, if God sees it as precious, we too must see it as precious. And finally, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. What I want you to understand about this particular verse is that the word all is a fair word to use, but it is not the best word to use. The word all there literally means this. It literally means any, or the word total. It means whole, or listen to this term. It means every kind of. That word can also be translated since all of time. And so it deals with the reality. All is a fair term. But it's more specific than that. If it was to read literally, it would say the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from every kind of sin. Individually. Each and every one. It's not that it's just this big gamut of stuff in some big pool and it's just all washed away. It's that every time, every kind of sin. Everything I do, each and every time, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me. This morning as our worship team comes, here's what I want to get. The most important thing in your Christian life, the foundation, is learning that God is on your side and that you can approach God. And what, at the very beginning, what the devil wants to do is make you think you can't approach God. You can't approach God. You're this, you're that. You've done this, you've done that. You know, we can be so hard on ourselves. We can even get to. You ever got to the place where you're heaping condemnation on yourself because you didn't read for 10 minutes every day? I didn't read my Bible. Now you're feeling like you can't approach God based upon the good stuff you didn't do. Can you see how foolish we can be at times and really make something big out of our sins and something little out of the blood of Christ? And God's saying, hold on a second, my children. Hold on a second, my people. Do you not understand why He died? I have accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished in order for you to come to me. And we'll never be able to progress much further in our faith. We'll never be able to mature much further until we get it settled once and finally for all. I can come to God. And I can come to God because of what Jesus has did. Lord, we love You. We thank You for Your goodness and Your faithfulness. We pray, God, that You'd finish what You've started this morning in our hearts. I pray that Your people would get a revelation of how we come to You, why we can come to You. I pray that You'd help us to shed away our foolish inclinations to put too much thought about what we've done and too little thought about the reality that the blood cleanses us of all our sins. I pray this morning for that man or that woman that's discouraged that feels like they've just done too much or that they're far from You. God, I pray that You'd help them to see and believe by faith Your Word this morning that the precious blood of Christ, it satisfies You. I pray they'd come with just an open heart to just push into Your presence and pray and pray spend time with you because they came because of Jesus.